I studied Jesus' Jesus's order of service. It's an interesting study if you read the Gospels. What was Jesus? What did he do? I still haven't found where he had announcements. So somehow it must be possible to not need announcements. I suppose he did actually. No, he did. He got them all to sit down in groups. Sorry. See, there's just this lack of administrative gift. I couldn't even see it in the text because it's just the grid I'm reading it through. So. But anyway, his order of service, at least four or five times I found when a, a crowd gathered, it just says things like, he healed all their sick. I love it. He just, he just, was all these people, what do we do first? We didn't teach them, he just healed them. Isn't that extraordinary? Then if you put that together with the truth in the, in the Gospel of John, where it says he only does what he sees the Father doing. You know that verse? And now sometimes that's happened in my head, I don't know about yours, but like, oh, it's almost like I'm screwing my eyes up and really trying to focus, what are you doing in the room? What is the one thing? What is the one person that's going to get breakthrough today? Just let me partner with you, Father, for the, for the one, maybe the two. But Jesus, Jesus is partnering with the Father, and he's like, Wow, God's healing everybody. We're not kind of... He's still in the process of stretching us to the reality of what he did and who he was. And when he partnered with the Father, everybody got healed. Isn't that stunning? He went around and he healed all diseases and sicknesses. It's not like that's of who's the one today. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, maybe... You know, I really need a breakthrough from God, but maybe he's only working on the person next to me. That's not how he works. Heavenly Father, if we're working with the Father, Heavenly Father is really busy. He's really at doing good things to people all over the planet, and some of it is just us catching up and seeing the extent and the expanse of what he's up to. I, I, I want to talk to you. I'm going to have a go at something this morning. I want to talk to you about an ecosystem you're like, where's that in the Bible? Well, that word is not in the Bible, but I think the principle is in the Bible, and I'm going to get to the Bible. But do, do you know what an ecosystem is? It, it's an interaction of living things and not necessarily living things that create a system and they give energy and nutrients to one another so that, that, that life is sustained in some way. There's a, it's kind of beneficial, Yeah? And, uh, and, and one of the problems, they say, with our planet is we keep messing with the ecosystem. So if you take certain bits out of it, it then start, the whole thing starts to collapse because of the interaction of the parts. Yeah? And uh, Danny Silk shared an illustration with us that I found really, really challenging. It said you can take a boiling, a boiling bubbling pot of water and if you put it in a fridge, for a little while, that fridge is going to get quite hot, isn't it? Yeah. doesn't matter how good a fridge it is. For a while, you've got a pan of hot water inside it. It's going to get pretty hot. But the system, the ecosystem, the environment that that pan is now in, is going to keep working and keep whirring away until all the heat is sucked out of that pan. And the pan will become the same temperature as the fridge. Its, its effect is temporary, not permanent. And the reason for that isn't that this is not authentic hot water. It's that the system that it's then exposed to or put in actually is designed to cool it down. 
And as long as that system is working in that way, it will just keep going and keep going until it's three degrees Celsius or whatever the fridge thing is set up. I don't, I don't know about you, there's been times in our kitchen where it's cooler outside the fridge in winter than it is on the inside. But the principle, there's a, there's a, there's a principle. So there's a, and we all have them. We have systems of thought. We have systems, we, we, we connect to our feelings a certain way. So we have like an internal ecosystem. So God can put something inside of us and the system that's operating in us is either going to keep it warm, heat it up, or sometimes cool it down. And, and we have church environments, we have community environments that interact. So we're, 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 we're all interacting, you're all interacting right now. You're interacting with me, you're interacting with how you're feeling, you're interacting about whether you're thinking about dinner, you're interacting with the Holy Spirit who's working on you, you're interacting with the person next to you. In some level or other, there's something going on in this room. We're, 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 a, we're an ecosystem. And God keeps introducing to us boiling hot pans of glorious stuff. And and, and what he's doing with us is teaching us how to become a system that keeps them hot and gets them hotter rather than cools them down. Because, Because we're called, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 3, that we're going from glory to glory in this life. Not hot, cold, medium, freezing, boiling cold that kind of actually the intention is is that that we learn, we de, we learn to to create an ecosystem an environment amongst us that means every time god introduces something hot and good from heaven that it keeps boiling and bubbling it doesn't just kind of go and when he introduces it to our own life we we have we have our heads put on the right way around so that when he gives us something we keep going with it we keep stewarding it we see that go from warm to hot to boiling over into into the world around us is that is that making sense and and what I've realized in my life is not everything God introduces to me stays hot all the time anybody else with me just just give me some love here just like do, do you know what I mean it's like get really excited and really stirred up and full of faith and you maybe even have a breakthrough and then it's just going to just just thought there might be a few people that that happens to and and sometimes I think we're learning a lot about this but I just feel God wants to 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 take us further in, in 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 this and and if you turn to your Bibles in 2 Corinthians 11 I'm just going to jump off from there. There's, there's a whole load of elements to this ecosystem. There's no way I can talk about all of them in the time that we have today. But I just, just want to open up some stuff that God's been opening up to me over, over this week. Um, 2 Corinthians 11, 2, 11, two to, to 4, we're going to read. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. I promised you to one husband, to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Oh, you know, you know Jesus is tired of being a bachelor. He's getting his bride ready. Anyway, that's another thought for another day. I betrothed you as a pure virgin to him, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the snake's cunning, your minds may somehow 
be led astray from sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You see that, that bubbling devotion, that, that fizz, that excitement, that passion for Jesus. I'm afraid that it's, it's getting focused somewhere else. That your affections are cooling. Your affections are getting refocused. For if someone, and, and, and these, these are his reasons, someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. So Paul's identified three elements of their system of belief and thinking that if they're tampered with will cause them to drift off in their passion rather than heat up in their passion. And, And I think these are three they all interrelate, but they are also separate things. So a different Jesus, a different spirit, and a different gospel. And often in our culture, we've got a much more understanding about a different gospel. And, 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 and for years, we've talked about the gospel. Let's get the gospel right. The truth has to be correct. We've got to tell people the truth. We've got to preach the truth. What's the truth? Let's study the word well. And all that is excellent. But it's not the only bit. There's, there's three strands right here. One is how you see Jesus. How do you see the God that we worship? How do you understand the truth of this new covenant, this new relationship, the gospel? But also, what spirit are you receiving? And they're all important. And, and I, and I want to go on a bit of a journey with you this morning. Is that all right? And hopefully we'll... Will land somewhere <laughs> that's helpful to everybody. And I'm going to have to open a window. Excuse me. I'm starting to feel stuffy, which means you will be. See, we just changed the ecosystem. <laughs> we introduced fresh air, which should bring the temperature down and keep us all a bit more awake. Again, I'm just going to throw this out there. It's really important, just a comment really on the worship for a moment. Our our identity is confusing as believers because we are alive in in our body, which is the same one we were born with. And when we got born again, and then you look in the mirror, you look exactly the same. You're all just as beautiful as you were the day you were born. But at that moment, we become new creatures and we're seated with Him in heavenly places. At that moment, we're, we're, we're birthed into a new reality. We're birthed into a new realm, a new dimension, which is our new home. And that is the more permanent reality than the one we've lived in from our birth. And I think one of the things that God's doing in worship is we actually need to become as aware, if not more aware, of that realm of our habitation as this one. Otherwise, we constantly live our Christianity from earth to heaven rather than from heaven to earth. And so we've experienced earth a lot. 
just, you're already you're just sitting there. You're experiencing earth. You know how earth works. But actually, we've been born again into a new reality. And we need to keep experiencing that so we start to live this reality from that reality. And that's, that's a bit of a journey for most of us. But it's about what we believe about who he is and who we are. What is this gospel? I, I think the most challenged issue is who are you? And I think that's true experientially, but I think it's true biblically. There's two clear events where we see the devil on the scene, and he's, he's portrayed clearly acting in the Garden of Eden. And he's clearly portrayed there with Jesus at his point of temptation. Both two critical turning point moments in the history of all of creation. Right? What are Adam and Eve going to do when the devil says, actually, if you eat from this tree, if you eat from this tree, you will become like God. This is a great idea I'm having for you. Believe me, trust me, reach out and you will be changed. You will be like God. This is, this is a turning point moment for the cosmos. And there's Jesus. He's, he's been fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. And guess what happens? The devil shows up. And twice in the three temptations, he says, If you are the Son. If you are the Son. What's happening in both of the? I think the kernel of the, of the subtle temptation of the deceptive activity of the devil in both situations is a fundamental attack on the identity of Adam and Eve or Jesus. It's to, it's to, it's to raise a question mark over what they believe about who they really are. Satan in the garden caused them to believe that they weren't who they already were. He caused them, he introduced enough untruth into them that they started to believe for long enough that they weren't who they already were. They were, Genesis 1 tells us really clearly that they were made in God's image. Man and woman were created in the image of God. He created them. They already were like God. Huh? That's, that was their fundamental starting point. God wanted to fill the planet with people that represented Him, that looked like Him. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply. He wants to fill, he's still, his passion is to fill the planet with people that represent him, that reflect him. Yeah? They were already like God. And the devil introduces this thought that if you do something, then actually then you'll be like God. Just do something and then you'll become really what you already are. 
He introduced to them a temptation which meant that they had to take an action to obtain something they'd already been given for free. Are you with me? He said, this thing, everybody wants to be like God. Everybody wants to see God. Everybody, that's kind of wired into humanity. You want that, all you've got to do is do something. But God had said, I've made you. You don't need to do anything for this. I've done the doing. I've done, I've done the work. I created you. I breathed life into you. I made you, and I made you like me, and I looked at you, and you're really good. He said, man, this is really good. This is my best. This is my highest creation. I have breathed myself into you. Look at you. Look at you. They're like, yeah, we're looking pretty good. And they walked together in the cool of the day without fear. Adam was not scared of God. He had intimacy with God as a right, as a norm. He had no, no distancing. He had no, there was no fear or tension in their relationship. And I would propose to you that's what God restored in Christ to us. And no tension, no fear, intimacy with the Father. And that's what got robbed from them as they started to believe they needed to do an action to get what they already had as a gift. Are you with me? And I think this is one of, the, one of the games that he plays continuously in the minds of believers is you will really come into who you are if you just do one more thing. Just one more thing. Then you'll really enter your identity. Then you'll truly find out who you are. It's just that, you know, you know all your life you've been lousy at spending time with God. If you, if you could just fast for 21 days, then you would know who you really are. You know what? You don't need to work to get what he's given you. I'm not against fasting. I'm not against praying. I'm not against spending time with God. But that's not the point. The point is, if you start to dance to that tune, you're working for something you already have. When we get born again, we become his sons and we become his daughters by right. We ha- and we have rights. We receive the full rights of sons. Isn't that exciting? You don't need to work for them. You've been given them. And every time we hear this little whisper, well, if you just did that bit of improvement, if you just reached for that a bit harder, if you just pressed for that, then, then you'd realize who you are. Then you could walk in the fullness of your identity. We're believing a lie that we've got to earn something that Jesus has given and paid for. And we start dancing to a tune that can feel good. It's not good dancing, but I'm just doing, I'm just a living illustration, okay? So the devil says, just have a bit of this or have a bit more of that. Well, then if you do a little bit more, you'll be even more amazing. So I'll do a little bit more. And you could spend our whole life dancing around after this little tune. And it's not heaven's tune. It's called works. It's called religion. It's called, it's dire. But you can feel like it's good. Because it looks like, well, if I just do a bit more, I'll be a bit more amazing. No, no, no. The way God works is He makes you amazing. 
and then you work it out. So Adam and Eve, they were created amazing. Now go rule the planet. Go figure. Go, go do this for me. Go, go, don't, go and name the animals for me. God could have named the animals easy. Just work for a bit for what you already have is a massive lie that makes us start to dance to a tune. They believed it and they became the slave of the devil and all mankind became obedient to that. Because they believed a lie about their identity This isn't what, like just a little thing going on. It all fell over. It all went belly up on that one thing. <clears throat> Felt they had to do something to get what they already have. They responded to the doubt that he sowed in them. Because now they were performing, they weren't just performing to gain their identity, they were actually performing for the enemy. Yeah, they were obeying his instructions. They were responding to his suggestions now. They entered a realm which they'd never known before. Ephesians 2 puts it like this. It says, You were dead in your trespass and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, just kind of going along with everything that's happening. You go out and just go and follow the course of the world, and it can look... You know, in the middle ground of following the course of the world, it can look innocent. You know, we're not jihadists, we're not child abusers, we're nice people. We're following, but we're following the course of the world. We do our jobs, we do our stuff, okay? We're, we're middle ground folks. Following the course of this world, following, oh, this isn't a different group of people, this is the same group of people, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the evil one, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So you can be doing religious stuff to establish your identity and you're actually being a disobedient to God. And you're actually jo- joining back in the course of the world which is still all dancing to his tune even though they don't know it. So it can feel like, oh, we're just kind of normal people but actually the whole world is under the power of the evil one because until this thing breaks where people believe of, of this lie that was sowed in at the beginning with Adam and Eve and you break it and you start to believe God rather than him, you're under his power whether you realize it or not. There's not a gray bit in the middle which is I'm in control. That does not exist. That's a big juicy lie. Is it, is it you... Give me a bit of feedback, like. So it's possible that you can be doing good things for the wrong reasons and serving the devil. got to get a bit better then I'll know who I am no if you know who you are you'll get better 
this is ground we need to stand in. We need, we need to just hold this. We're his kids. We're in heavenly places. We're indwelt by the divine nature. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. You're his workmanship. You're his special work of art. You're his unique creation. You're his masterpiece. This is truth. This is truth. You don't need to do anything to get that. You've been given that. I've been given that. I'm, 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 that's where I begin. I begin in a place of intimacy I be, with the Father. I begin in a place of significance. I begin from a place of sonship. I begin from a place of being in heavenly realms. That, that is my home and that is my habitation. I begin from a place of that's who I really am and that's what I'm really made for. That's where I begin. Now have some time where I need to get used to that reality, but that doesn't make, shouldn't make me doubt who I really am. It just tells me, yeah, I'm still you know, like a child. Babies are human beings. They're just learning what that means. They don't, they, but their identity has not changed. You fell over. You're not a real human being. How, what do you mean you can't walk at nine months old? A few do, but do, do you know what I mean? You're like, that can't be a human being. It's not walking yet. No, no, it's a human being. In fact, it, it's my child. My child is my child when nine months, no months, 20 years, 40 years, that never changes. The identity is fixed, is given, is birthed in you by our Father. Are you happy yet? So in order to gain what they already had, they lost it. Sneaky stuff, eh? tricksy guy this devil here look you can get what you really want but you already have it but if you reach for it you'll lose what you got in the thought that you're going to get what you want sneaky sneaky but we spotted you we're not going to do that no more are we we're going to be the awesome people God has created us to be see I think this is one of the things that starts to crack our ecosystem Working for what you already have. You see, we studied Galatians a bit ago, and, and this is really, I'm preaching Galatians. Paul, Paul saw this. He said, if you start to do, by trying to introduce human effort, what can only happen by the Spirit, then you actually... It says you're under a hex, you're under a demonic spell, and you've been disconnected from Christ. That's really just what I'm saying, only he said it better. He's writing this to believers, he's writing this to Christians. He said, if you resort to human effort rather than the spirit who birthed you, then what you're doing is you put yourself under a hex. A demonic spell is literally what that means in Galatians 3. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. You can read it right there. And then later in Galatians 5, it says, actually, you've separated from Christ if you have resorted to human effort. Oh, but I love Jesus. Yeah, you love Jesus, but you're duped. And being duped because it's who you're believing 
is connected to who you're really serving. Who you're believing decides who's dominating your life and your reality. That's what happened in the garden. They started to believe the wrong person, they came under the domination of that person. That's why Paul's saying, you got disconnected to Christ. In fact, he says, I'm laboring again till the day that Christ be formed in you. You're like, wow, this is serious stuff. For Peter, it was just he stopped eating bacon. You know, he's eating his full Scottish with the guys. The guys from James show up, the legalists, and he, he withdraws from them, and, he, and he's only eating kosher food and no pork. And Paul's like, you're defaming the gospel. I'm like, I changed what breakfast I eat. Bridge submitted to a lie. That what I do can change who I am and where I stand before God. I am now trying to earn what I've been given, and so I actually lost what I had. Who would have thought that performing would be disobedience? Uh, so I believe all religion has its roots in a false idea of who we are. If you believe you're a sinner saved by grace and you keep believing that that's who you are, you're, you're going to miss your identity. You're now saints. Paul writes to the saints. Your sons, your daughters, you're in heavenly places. You were sinners, but you're now saved by grace. And you can build a whole religious thing on that, but religion can't handle, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's like an alloy that can't handle the weight of the kingdom. Remember back to ecosystem. We want something that can encourage the activity of the kingdom of God, the spirit of God. And, and if, our, if, our, if, we're, if we've got an alloy of a bit of truth, a bit of earth, which is affected by a bit of devil, it can look like religion, but it's going to falter under the weight of the presence of the kingdom of heaven. True, aligning with our true identity is at the heart of the revolution that is happening across the planet. The invasion of the kingdom to bring back the king is right at the heart of this. Is that there's a, there's a battle going on in every head and every heart in this room that you would line up with who you really are. You stop believing the lies and start to align with what he said. You know, Satan is the father of lies. And there's lots of his progeny around the planet. So he doesn't need to be speaking to you directly, but he's fathered a lot of untruth. And some of it, sadly, has got in the church. I've got time to hit you with one more crazy thought. So that, 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 was, that was what happened in, in the Garden of Eden. What happened with Jesus was an attack on the same thing. If you're the son. Pro- basically, if you're the son, prove it. Change, change, these, change these rocks into loads. If you're a son, leap off the top of this tower and the Father will save you. And even in that second temptation, you know what the devil does? He grabs a Bible verse out of Psalm 91. 
which some commentators believe is about Jesus, although I think it has a wider application. It's about the protection of God to those who abide in the shadow of his wing. And the devil just gets his script. He, he quotes it exactly. This is not out of context, and it is not adulterated at all. But you know what? He's saying, Jesus, kill yourself. Jump off this thing. Huh? So the truth in the mouth of the devil is going to kill you. Can you hold that thought? Then in John 6, you've got Jesus. And there's crowds and crowds of people. So he, he comes up with this cool sermon. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have anything to do with me. And they all start to walk away. I mean, that is weird stuff right there, isn't it not? Honestly, if I stood here and say, you've got to eat me, otherwise you can't be in this church. <laughs> How many would be here next week? Hands up. And they start to leave, and he talks to the disciples, and, and they said something remarkable, because they didn't understand it either. I mean, not only was it incomprehensible, it was offensive. It sounded like he was promoting cannibalism. This was, this was an offensive message. This was, this was stench to the Jews. This was an abhorrent thing that he was saying. Well, they said to him, we can't leave, because you have the words of eternal life. You're like, what? Eating flesh. So a Bible verse in the mouth of the devil can kill you. Something weird in the mouth of Jesus can still bring you life. This makes no crazy sense to me, but I can feel there's life in it. So I think it's God. This makes complete sense, but the spirit behind it is killing me. It doesn't matter how many Bible verses it is, it doesn't make it true. You still like me? So sometimes we hear stuff and we're like, well, that's scrambling my brains. I don't like it. But inside, we have to learn to detect the spirit. Remember the verse we started with? We need to know the Jesus... The right Jesus. We need to know our God. We need to know who He is. We're right spirit, not a different spirit, and the gospel. So you put the gospel with a different spirit, you're still going to end up with death. And it's not possible to have the gospel with no spirit. That's another lie in our culture, that there's this realm where there's no spirit involvement. There is a spirit involved in everything, it's just what spirit? So Jesus says to the disciples when they're like going, oh, let's just call fire down on those guys who don't like us. In many of the texts it says, you don't know what spirit you are of. And it doesn't mean attitude, it means pneuma. It's, it's to do with the, the spirit realm they're now partnering with to then say what they're saying in order to produce the results that they'd like. We're all partnering with something in that spirit realm. The thing is that Paul went around and Jesus went around releasing the Holy Spirit on people. And people went, this is a different spirit. We like this. This is spirit and life to us. This is doing something to us that is enabling us to live a different way. 
Because it actually says that the, even the words of the law, although they were words from God, they didn't have life in them. You couldn't, it wasn't a way to permanently come to salvation because they didn't come with life. So Satan didn't twist the scripture. It just came from what's in his heart. He's a killer, stealer, and destroyer. So you can think you have scriptural reasons why you're useless. I would like to suggest that's a Bible verse in the mouth of the liar. I have good Bible reasons why I should be a worm. There's a verse in the Bible about being a worm, so that must be me. That's just a lie. There is a verse in the Bible about being a worm. But it's not you. That's scary, isn't it? Well, we're scriptural. Yeah, but what spirit are you of? I know my Bible. Yeah, I know my Bible too. But do you know Holy Spirit? Jesus said to was it the Pharisees, you're in error because you know neither the power of God nor the Scriptures. Ouch. I mean, we don't know our Bible. We know our Bibles. We learn them from day, almost day one. We could, we could, you know, the best of them could quote all the Old Testament from memory. Are you saying we don't, yeah, well, you don't know the power of God and you, therefore you don't know the Scripture and you don't know the Scriptures, you won't know the power. You need to know both. Do you still love me? No, somebody doesn't. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just teasing you. I like to tease you along the way. So the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are full of the Spirit and life. We need to train ourselves to discern not just the words, or oh, is there a Bible verse for that, or is that in context, or what, what does the Greek mean? All that is valid, but we need to discern the Spirit behind it. Is what's coming giving me life? Is it exploding life in me? Is it, is it putting something inside me to go do, to be, to happen, to live, to be full? Is it, am I moving from being some kind of fridge to being an oven? Is he warming me up? Is he, is he shifting me? Is he moving me? Am I getting more glorious? Is that what's going on when I'm hearing this? Or am I feeling worse? Although externally it sounds good. Am I getting emptier? Am I getting more discouraged? Am I feeling more guilty? Uh, then I would suggest to you that that isn't the Holy Spirit, even if the words are Scripture. This is radical stuff I'm saying. Uh. Isn't it strange that truth in the mouth of the enemy becomes death Strange words in the mouth of Jesus breathe life. <laughs> and, and I believe the target all the time from the other side is our identity. Doubt who you are. Doubt who you are. Doubt who you are. 
doubt who you are. Just do a bit more and then you'll be amazing. Doubt, doubt. Let's just resist that. And let's believe what he said. What's true is you're a son of the same kind of G- as Jesus. We can do what he did. And, and, and I think this warfare is there because there's a statement we don't use very much, but it's in the Bible. In 1 John 3, it says that, the, I like the old translation, it says the reason the Son of God was manifest was to destroy the works of the evil one. And if he can persuade us that we're not manifesting as sons of God, then he gets an easier ride. But I, for one, would like him to have lots of trouble. Now, now hear me, this doesn't mean we have to go seeking out the devil. This means just by walking in who we are, he has a problem. All right, so what, what this message is not about, let's go and try and find some more demons to deal with. No, no, no. This is about aligning with who he said we are and the devil is already in trouble. Cancers are going to flee just because you're there. Blind eyes are going to open, open from people and cats just because you're there. Amen. Deaf ears are going to open just because you're there. Backs are going to get healed in a room just because I'm there. That's what, that's what happened with Jesus. He healed all their sick. Did he touch them all? I don't know. That's what happened with Peter. He says his shadow fell on them. There's no substance in a shadow. But who was he? He was a son of the same kind as the son. And when he rocked up, heaven rocked up. And whatever was afflicting people disappeared just because he was there. <laughs> isn't that fun? You don't know how much stuff isn't happening that would be bad just because you're there. Amen. Just because you're in your office, just because you're in that classroom, just because you're in that shop, the stuff that cannot happen because you're there. And the more you line up with who you really are, the more glorious stuff is going to happen and the less rubbish stuff is going to happen. Just as you align with the reality of, you know what, I'm a daughter of the king. I'm not having a campaign to change this place. I'm just releasing the presence of God that's all over me. This place will change. The main feature of heaven is His presence. So we're not here just to do the doings. We're here to release him in what we do if the kingdom is coming then it needs to come with tangible feelable tasteable presence and that's all over you church wherever you go people feel different just because you're there because he's in you and he's on you that is true i'll tell this story just to to land it and i've told it a few times before but i like it it's about me doing well so I like the story we were doing a, we were doing a, an outreach in Paris and we met up with Julian Adams team and I found out many months later from a guy Kean that we know quite well in Dublin who was on Julian's team there was a bunch of them I don't know four of them they were sitting in, in a cafe and they were all feeling exhausted they'd already done 
another bunch of meetings and they were just kind of wrung out and they were facing another weekend of, of conferences and meetings. And, and I literally just walked into this cafe, sat down at the table and just started to chat and get to know them a little bit. And they chatted afterwards and they said, all of us were feeling exhausted until you sat down and we all suddenly felt refreshed in the presence of God. You didn't pray for us, you didn't say anything about that, but we just felt a shift in how we were doing just because you showed up, showed up in the room. I'm like, yes! <laughs> I'm walking in my identity. <laughs> Yesterday, I'm so glad that lady got well. That's right, you need to get your kids. That lady got well. I didn't pray for her. Nobody prayed for her. But God's on me, he's in me. He can do stuff like that. So Jesus, we want to line up with who you said we are. We don't want to work to become what you've already given us and so lose it. Thank you, you've made us sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thank you, you've raised us up and seated us with you in heavenly realms. Thank you, we're not sons of a different kind or daughters of a different kind. We're sons of the same kind as Jesus. And Jesus was a prototype of us, not an experiment, but a first of many. Just line up with that. Just start to thank him that you are who he says you are. Father, thank you. You've made me a son. Thank you. You've seated me with you. And Father, we just reject the lie that we're less than you've made us. We step into who we are. We step into that reality, Father. Thank you.